0: Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Hello, welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. My name is Megan. I'm the VP Marketing at Dig Insights. And today I am joined by a brand strategy guru, though I don't know if Sarah would use those words to describe herself. (laughs) Maybe not the guru part, definitely the brand strategy (laughs) part. Um, So yes, I'm I'm joined by Sarah Robb. She is a consultant now in brand strategy at brandstrategysarah.com. You'll probably, if you're at all interested in the topic, you've probably seen her on your LinkedIn Sarah, how are you doing?
1: Really well. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um it's great to hear a, a British accent <laughs> on a on a Thursday morning. I always I I as as I'm sure we talked chatted about I lived there for ages so um I miss it. Yes. So, uh really great to have you here. I wanted to so we're going to talk a little bit today about you know some practical uh strategies for brand work. And we're going to try and dive into what really makes a difference when it comes, what really makes a difference, sorry, when it comes to um brand strategy work. But before we dive into that, I did want to give the listeners a little bit of background into your experience in brand and marketing.
1: Sure. No,
0: no problem. Um, so
1: yeah, I, go, go ahead. Okay. I, uh, I did a history degree and i had no idea what i wanted to do and so i went to japan for three years came back did a master's degree and i was walking along the halls and i saw this ad on the wall and it said ambidextrous brains required and i was like oh that sounds kind of like how i feel i am and it was an ad for wpp fellowship program and it was uh they don't run it anymore or they don't run it at present but they ran it for about 20 years and they take a handful of grads and they let you uh, loose in WPP and so you do three years in three different companies so anywhere you want any one of their companies and so I started off in research um, in market research at Cantar and then I moved over to uh, planning at J Walter Thompson in San Francisco at the time and then went into branding and brand strategy at Landor Associates which was like where I found my sort of happy place and (laughs) every time I was doing the other pieces I was like oh but I just want to learn a bit more about what happened with the research and then when i was in advertising i would think oh well i just really want to understand who does that brand strategy bit that all the ants have to link to and then when i got to Landor, that's when i realized that was sort of the thing i'd have to do so my routine was really a really lucky one by sort of testing out these other disciplines first and then finding out that was where i wanted to wanted to stay and so then i spent. You know, 10 years in the agency world in uh, New York, came back to London. And then the last 14 years, I've been doing brand strategy independently for clients. Um, yeah, working working from home. <laughs> before it was, uh, or before we all had yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very cool. Um, what kind of clients do you work with typically on the brand strategy side? Okay. Is it, you know, B2C or B2B or is it kind of like a big mix of
1: different clients? It's, it's generally a mix, although I've, in the last few years I've had this weird specialism in luxury, hospitality and tech, which have nothing to do with oh, each other. Cool. <laughs> I just happen to have done a lot of those different projects. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I started off more B2C, um, but then definitely more B2B work in the last sort of you know, 10 years, really. I, I find that I just enjoy that a bit more. But yeah, but it is a spectrum. It really is a spectrum. And I, I, I like that variety too. For sure.
0: Yeah, and we can kind of dive in to the differences, I guess, across those, if, if any. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I chatted to you um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how you're sort of a self-described branding nerd or brand strategy nerd. Um, and you told me <laughs> kind of a wild story about how you, you spent time um, running some research to get a sense of the most valuable brands. Um, was it globally or in the UK? Tell me that story. Yeah.
1: It, it, it is from a story. like the sh- And the sort of short story is, uh, when I was working at Landor, I was running this big project for Ernst Young. So I was doing the global brand strategy for Ernst Young. And it was really quite like this pinnacle part of my career. And I'd managed to get to a strategy and they said that they would never had one before. And it was really like this great project. And then... I got this call from the CEO one day um, and he'd been on the subway, which was rare, and he'd seen an ad for American <laughs> Express and he said, um, he's like, oh, uh, American Express have this idea around realising potential and our brand idea, which we got to, was around this idea of achieving potential for people within the organisation and for clients, which is where that yellow beam comes from, if you've ever seen E-Bind, I don't see and he said so we've got to stop we uh we can't we can't do this anymore when we were about to launch globally this idea he said, i can't do it uh it because american express have it and at the time it like massively triggered this sort of imposter syndrome thing that had been going on for me like rumbling on over like a few years even though i was a senior brand strategist in a huge agency i don't think it matters right you you either feel it or you don't and i was really feeling it and and it, and it triggered it because First of all, I didn't know how to answer the question. So he said, you know, does it matter? Does it matter that Ernst Young and American Express share the same sort of territory around potential? And I was like, well, do I really know the answer to that? I don't know whether I do. And then the second part of it was, well, shouldn't I know this already? Like, shouldn't I, as a brand strategist, sort of know a bit more about the world of brand strategy ideas, like the world's biggest brands and what they all stand for? So I yeah. ended up, not for because of this reason, but I left the agency world and I spent six months um, doing this in-depth study of the 181 brands that sat across the three global brand valuation studies. So there's Brand Z, there's Interbrands, and there's Brand Finance, and they come out with their 100 each year. So I took all the brands that sat across all those three studies and totally geekily sat there for six months and worked out and and documented what their brand strategies were. So I had this big picture of kind of the world of brand ideas and what, you know, so I could answer questions like, do they overlap? You know, do, does it matter if there's a financial services idea here and a, you know, tech idea here and they're similar? Um, and it really also helped me get over another issue I was having, which was all of the frameworks around brand strategy. So, you know, if you type in brand strategy frameworks online, you just get, Jargon jargon. I mean, I know you'll have seen it, Megan, right? You need a positioning. You need a promise. It's you nuts. Need brand, you need values. You need beliefs. You need principles. You need a brand essence. And we, I have a brand onion. I mean, it just goes on. And, and
0: then, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then you have people like, you know, very well-meaning senior leaders being like, and what's the difference between our mission and vision? And why do we need a value prop on top of the mission and vision? And um, how does this align with our strategy? It's yeah. so yeah. many and I'm so fascinated to hear what, what your um your take on this is, but I just needed to yeah. <laughs> to jump in and say like I totally hear you on that. It's not
1: yeah, it, it's, it's so frustrating and it and it puts so many people off learning how to do it as well because they start thinking, Oh, I'd like to add brand strategy to my skills and they get stuck in this like whirlwind of just jargon and like, oh my gosh, I can't go there. It seems too complicated. So What I was trying to do with this study was also to answer the question for myself, like, what do all the world's best brands do? Like, what do they have? What's in their brand technologies? What, what things, do they have missions? Do they have vision? And the truth is, you know, there isn't, there isn't commonality on the labels and stuff that people use, you know, Ikea have a vision statement, uh, Microsoft have a mission, but they both are fundamentally answering the question of why do we exist? So I got to this model of. there are four big questions that all brands have to answer in their brand strategy and if you just know that you can start talking to clients in a more um human way about what it is you're trying to do to help so you know talk to a ceo about brand onions and brand truths you know they're just like they they don't want to hear that they're never going to say that you know i mean this is all about helping their business grow Now, brand strategy isn't about logos and stuff it's about fundamentally helping all the levers of business growth right so you've got to be able to have normal um accessible conversations around brand in the boardroom otherwise you just get these looks of like you know what are you talking about right what what's irrelevant to this to my business so that's what this study was to i took i thought i'd find commonality and terminology There is not commonality in terminology, but there is great commonality in the questions they all answer. They just label them different things. So that was my little geeky six-month exploratory piece of research. No,
0: this is fascinating. I mean, this is a podcast for research geeks and marketing (laughs) geeks, so this is fascinating. Um, So I have a couple of questions. I mean, can you speak at all about those four... Things that they all have in common. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So the first thing all great brands answer is why, and everyone knows Simon Sinek's, You know, start with why, but he has it. Yeah. True, right? But, um, you have to identify why you exist as a business, um, and you have to do it very carefully, so you are not just talking absolute rubbish, and you are not coming across as credible. And you have to do it, all the really, really good answers don't just talk to customers, they talk about employees and customers together in their answers. Like Microsoft um, is all about um, uh, helping organizations achieve more and, and helping the planet and organizations and people achieve more. And you know that idea isn't just about a customer, it's about sort of all of their broader stakeholder groups. Um, so you've got to answer, why do you exist? Uh, And you call it whatever you want purpose mission vision doesn't matter um you've got to answer who are we and how do we do things and this is a bit lots of people miss out they sort of think that brands just about um you know words to inform design or words to inform marketing but there's a big piece of who are we as an organization and how do we go about things which is usually called values and behaviors but that question whatever you want to call it (laughs) has to be answered because if you say why we exist is to um, help everybody thrive. Um, then, underneath that, you've got to underpin it with the, the behaviors and the organizational culture that will support that why, right? These, these can't be two separate things. So, the second kind of group of questions is who are we? How do we do things? The third one's how do we want right. to look, feel, and sound? So, um, most brands okay. have a set of kind of core words like mcdonald's have words like playful welcoming unpretentious in their definition of how they want their brand to look feel and sound and that doesn't just again about design it's about you know advertising is about tone of voice it's about any sort of customer experience or employee experience where the brand is sort of visualized or experienced you know it's not just a visual thing That's any sensorial thing that brings that brand to life you've got to help Give people guidance on how it should look, feel, and sound. If you're doing a trade booth, what are you going to tell people about how they? Yeah, how do you want to design? You know, so that's the other sort of question. And then the last one is simply, you know, who are you? Know what do we do? What are we? What do we do? And that's usually called positioning. But that definition of how are we going to talk about our place in the world, and you know, and working harder than saying, oh, we're a bubble tea company or we're a SaaS company. No, but actually. What do we do for people? So they're the four and you see them across all categories, all industries. Um, And once you strip the term, the labels that people give them out, then the questions are really, really helpful.
0: So that's what I use. And and
1: that's what I've used for 14 minutes now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful, I think, for everyone to just get a handle on what they need to be considering. Like even if they don't take the exact same approach, sort of these are the high level you absolutely need to consider. Yeah. These things uh, to, to build a brand. Um, I love that. I have another question. Um, So I was fascinated because I've actually come up against in a previous role. I'd come up against the, um, you know, the CEO saying, Oh, I've seen, this bubble tea company, for instance, with a similar, um, visual identity to us, or, you know, I've seen this new sporting brand that has a similar slogan to us or similar messaging. And I worked in B2B SaaS. Um, and I was like, and he was like, can they, is this the problem? And much like you, I was like, I don't know. And I probably just bullshitted my way through it, to be honest. But, um, what do you think about that question? Like that your that your boss asked you around American Express and the new brand identity. Like, what's your answer to a question like that now?
1: Um. So it depends. So if you're in different categories, the short answer is it doesn't really matter if you're in different categories. You know, yeah. you've got to be careful not to come out with something that is so ubiquitously associated with someone else. Like you would never come up with an idea around priceless, for instance, because MasterCard have owned that idea for so long. And it's such a, it's such a a well-known phrase that's associated with them. And they've trademarked it that words like that, you've got to be careful of, but general themes around um, like achieving potential, as long as you're not competing with someone, who have shares, that's why you've got to be careful. Like if you have a wise statement that is exactly the same as one of your major competitors, you know, it's legally fine because some of this is a legal thing,
0: right? but, totally, but,
1: you know, you can, you can do that, but you've got to remember that it's not just about customers, it's also about talent. So you're trying to attract the best talent, and if they can't differentiate between you and your major competitor, you're doing nothing to help your brand stand apart. You're doing nothing to... Help people understand why they should choose you over somebody else. So, when it's in a category, it's important to sufficiently differentiate things like values. You know, you're often going to see overlap in terms of some concepts in values, like um, concepts around innovation. Right? Most companies, rightly or wrongly, will talk in their values. Totally. And you can't, you know, and it's, it's necessary, but you can do it in a better way. Rather than sticking the word innovation on there, <laughs> you know, you can do it in much clever ways. Like you know, Facebook talking about we move fast, and um, Uber talking about we, um, see, you know, we see the forest and the trees. Like you can talk about innovation in a much more memorable and impactful way. But you do need to usually or often talk about some of the same themes. Sometimes, it, when it comes to brand identity, yeah. it's slightly slightly different. You know, I think. Um, like brand identity is about creating distinctive brand assets, right? Um, and that that's now the kind of language around what you're trying to do with a brand identity. So you've got to consider the fact that you will be in a world of other brands, whether you like it or not. Right? And whilst, um, right. you, know, you know, if you rip off Tiffany's Blue, right, and someone's, someone sees it from a distance are they going to associate it with you probably not and I think part of the point of distinctive brand assets is to trigger an association and bring to mind your brand name I mean that's part of the job of your distinct so if you're really of course meaning something else then the brand that will come to their mind unless they spend a lot of time looking at you and, and who does that right then you might be bringing another brand to mind which is kind of, kind of defeats the object of getting that comms out there in whatever shape or form in the first place so it's a harder job, I actually think. Sometimes with brand identity elements, you know, to, to stand apart, you're never going to be sued. Uh, well, <laughs> you're rarely going to be sued for um, taking similar colour palettes or shapes. Or, but as soon as you start to do that, right, you, know, you are at the at the you know the concern is you'll trigger a different brand and not your own, and then it's a waste of whatever that communication tool was at the time. Sounds that. Yes, yeah, that's
0: yeah. so no, definitely. And I think a really, really important point actually, um, that you were that you were saying at the end around, it is about those like emotional triggers or that that like equity that brands build up around their visual identity or around how the you know, how they make people feel. Um, mm-hmm. that like it could it's important to bear in mind when you're making decisions about your branding, that obviously that that context is is crucial because you could sort of be stepping in it. Um, your marketing dollars could essentially be going to waste to a certain exactly. extent um, yeah. if you are piggybacking off of someone else's branding. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna think of you. They're gonna think of the other brand. Absolutely,
1: um, yeah. yeah. And it's hard it's enough to it this, right? It's hard enough to yeah cut through and for anyone to a notice you and then b um, Associate that with your brand, so that that's you know that gets harder and harder.
0: Yeah. So you, yeah, you yeah your assets have to work really hard for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna. Um. I really want to dive into the second uh, part of this conversation, which is really around sort of research and how that informs your brand strategy process. So there's a couple of questions I have. One is sort of like. I guess, what is the overall process that you would take a client through? Maybe just at a high level, like, you know, what does that look like? And where does research slot into your process? Yeah.
1: So you can't do brand strategy without research. So like, it's, it's critical. <laughs> Anyone who says, oh, you can do a brand strategy in a workshop in a, in a room with Peter, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So um, if the high level process is first of all, alignment, which is making sure that everyone knows what you're doing (laughs) because you've, you know, the brand strategy should influence a lot of change in an organization. Um, And so you've got to start with ensuring that the CEO, the CHRO, the CMO, particularly those three are on board. They know what we're really doing. They know the impact of the work that's going to happen, that it's not just about, oh, we need a new identity. It's about sort of these definitions of, the big questions every CEO and every business has to answer and if you define them then you've got to live up to them so there's a whole alignment piece where it all starts um, and then there's kind of some really core bits of any project and they stem around like the three things you've got to find out you've got to figure out how your brand's relevant uh, you've got to figure out um, how it's going to be sufficiently right. differentiated and you've got to figure out um, and you've got to make sure it's authentic so those three kind of circles that sort of authenticity relevance differentiation other is that like the venn diagram you need to sort of gather insights in <laughs> so then all of that then leads to oh research. cool okay yeah so you've got to think of it there's the three things you've got to fill in you've got to find out where the overlaps are you've got to find how you're relevant but not different you've got to find out how you're different but not relevant you know you, you've got to really try and gather those insights to work as the fodder to build your brand strategy from so then research is massively important so relevant right we've got to understand how this brand could be should be is relevant to customers um, how it is to employees Um, you've got to understand things like um, where leadership want to take the organization in order to understand and make sure your brand is going to be authentic the strategy is going to be authentic to where they are today and where they want to go so that's all sorts of different types of research you know one-on-one leadership interviews as well as um, customer interviews or customer quantitative surveys or employee interviews or and or employee surveys. And depending on the scale of the organization would depend on how much of that you do and how much is quant versus core. But um yeah, it's just massively important. And then competitor research, another type of research is making sure you're looking at the competitor strategies. You know, and that's that's more like a desk research process, but it's still it's still research, right? It's, It's all of those things. You've got to gather all that stuff in order to get to the insights to form the strategy from.
0: Absolutely. And when it comes to, you know, you said scale of the company kind of determines whether or not it's qual versus quant. Can you Mm -hmm. speak more to that? Like what are the, is it, if it's a larger company, quant makes more sense. And if it's smaller qual or the opposite, Um, walk me through that.
1: Well, I mean, the, the, the kind of stereotype is, yeah, if you want to, if you're trying to do the, piece on who are we and how do we do things um you should be reaching out to employees right you can't you can't be doing that in an ivory tower going oh this is our culture this is what people care about these are our shared values you've got to you've really got to engage the employee base so if it's like 20 of them in a small business you just talk to them you know if it's if it's like i'm doing literally this week right 2000 then you know if you really genuinely want to get um, everyone's input um then you need to do that from, his, from a quant perspective um but then some industries lend themselves to different types of research so luxury hotels right um their customers are these ultra high net worth individuals who you know are ceos or their princes or their princesses or you know their um fashion designers or their you wow. know celebrities or so he, they want that one-on-one attention and it's an industry where um luxury hospitality is very personal, right? It's about understanding that person. So you wouldn't be in a survey out to, you know, the top CEOs of the world, you know, they wouldn't fill it in. So you've got to do those on their terms where they want.
0: Okay. Um, I was just going to say that if it was a customer survey and it was like a, a telecom company or a finance company, and, you know, they're really routinely emailing their customer base, for instance, and it might be easier to go with, you know, an online survey or something like that. So, um, There's- yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I feel like, I feel like we've got a pretty good, um, idea of what your process is. And I think, so we recently, actually it was about a year ago now, which is crazy, but we went through a rebrand, at dig and upside. Um, and so this pro. This conversation is really interesting for me, just, um, you know, hindsight's 2020 and thinking about what, what we did. I'm wondering, I think people always say the hardest part of a rebrand is often that internal rollout, getting people excited, taking them on the journey of a new, of a new brand and a new brand strategy from your, you know, years of experience. You've got so much experience in this space. What would you recommend people bear in mind that maybe they haven't thought about before when it comes to that rollout um, within, within a company? What are your recommendations to your clients?
1: You know, I think, first of all, it can't come as a big surprise. Like, you you know, one of the questions is like, like, how do you get people to care about it? And I think you you get them to care by engaging them early on, that you get them to feel like they have a voice in it, that it's their brand too. You know, that it's not just like the board coming down with this is what we are now and this is the values you all must have. And, you know, (laughs) you know, so I think it's about finding a way as much as you can efficiently to engage the broader employee base from the beginning. So that's one of the easiest and more obvious ways to do it is through the values piece. But like again in luxury hotels i would always talk to all levels of people you know not everybody but i'd always have some call again you know the doorman you know the head of the front office the head of sales the the waiter you know getting this cross-section of engagement so that when also when you're sharing the results and you're sharing why you got to things you can use their voices you know use their stories in the way that you launch it so it's not just like this is our brand here it is it's more like you told us this hence this is why we're doing this you know you told us this this is one of our yeah i really like that store you know getting them in from the beginning engaging them and getting their stories as much as you can around what they're doing that showcases the things you're going to talk about so whether that's the big why you exist or whether it's particular values, you know, making sure if you just have a story around it, it just brings it all to life. And then showing them and they see themselves in it, and they're like, Okay, this is my I, I belong to this thing. You know, brands are a lot about belonging from an employee perspective. So I think it starts before you launch anything, and then there's all I mean, there's it's a it's an ongoing constant thing, right? It's not a here's the brand, there you go, let's all go back to work, you know. <laughs> business right. is, is You have to launch it, you have to communicate it, there has to be some point where you're like, this is, this is who we are now, and you can do that in really interesting ways, engaging ways, expensive ways, cheap ways, you know, but just having some piece of line in the sand to say, okay, this is, this is our brand, this is why we've chosen to say, this is why we exist and this is who we are. And so, um, that needs to happen. But Equally, for that to happen, you've got to have all of these work streams going on with HR and marketing and the CEO and the leadership team so that it isn't just this launch and then no one hears anything. right? And they think, oh, well, that was that. And um, what, what was that? It then has to like naturally go into you know, things like, OK, Uh, let's have a leadership meeting about what do we need to stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we continue doing? Now we've got this, you know, all these conversations have to start. And I think also the the biggest way in which it can work uh, or not work is if it's built into the whole employee experience, particularly job chats and remuneration and um, recognition. Uh, You know, the things that, you know, when it comes down to it, they're going to make you get promoted or not promoted. Like the brand has to work it. That strategy has to be in there. You've got to build in these questions around, you know, why you exist and who you are and how you do things into evaluations. Otherwise it's just words on a page, right? It doesn't mean anything. So it's a long yeah. process to be honest. There's the customer experience piece of it, you know, and then there's a the employee experience bit of it and you need two teams working on that and embedding it in all of in, in, in policies and procedures like the boring stuff too but you know it's not just about oh isn't this a nice launch thing it's about totally this is this is who we are this is what we do this is why we exist and hence we see this and it's and we live it and we and, and it's throughout our, our brand so it's um it's not an easy thing. And I think that's why I always have those alignment meetings at the beginning to sort of say, you know, you know what you're signing up for here. <laughs> it's that you've really got to plan ahead and have then next year's plan in place after, yep. before we launch the thing. So it's, um, and, but when you do it and you do it well, it's really rewarding. And, and you really see results. And I think there's a ton of data now about how the impact of this stuff on employee satisfaction and retention and motivation and um and profits and growth faster growth and you know there's a lot of data now that shows that if you get these questions answered right and you properly embed them it can like really supercharge your business and your talent and your growth and your innovation and all these things that you know make a difference so yeah so it's so sorry so long is is such a big question it's such an important question you're asking and it and um, it's it's not always done well that piece of it, but if you don't embed it in
0: yeah I feel <laughs> I feel like it is a very big question to answer so I appreciate that um, that you did bring something new to the table. I think I really loved that point you made about belonging and how I think really that is from an employee perspective and how you get them to care about it about feeling like that brand belongs to them too it's not something that marketing or you know senior leadership cooked up that doesn't relate to them and I think bringing bringing that piece in of this is what you told us and this is because of what you've told us this is what we came up with is like so crucial so yeah I just think the way you framed that up is really nice so thank you for that um I, I'm conscious of time. We've been chatting for for quite a little while now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off with some rapid fire questions. Um, this podcast is obviously all about research and the consumer, so um, we would like to ask each of our guests a series of a few different questions that relate to that. Um, first, being, can you tell us a new or potentially novel or interesting way that you've gone about understanding? an audience or a customer base
1: recently? Oh, you know what? I wish I could, I can tell you what I've done, but it's, it's probably not new. And I think, I just think.
0: That's okay. All of it
1: about listening. And and so one thing I've done recently is, um, uh, I've, I've run lots of live Q and a sessions for people in my course. So, because I think, uh, most people who do courses, they like put this online course up there and then just let you get on with it and um the research and the most value i get is just talking to people and having those letting people share their questions going back to them with answers so it's not a new form of research but i do think it's important i think one thing i've done recently is bring psychologists in that's been really useful so uh cool. when, you know, we talk a lot about employee need states right we talk about feelings and needs and emotions and yeah are we really experts in that stuff right so I've been doing this work on on defining employee needs for a client and instead of just doing that I came up with hypotheses and then two I've got two psychologists to sort of really Um, talk about those emotional things that underpin some of the stuff we were talking about. We were talking about confidence, for instance. And then we got to this ladder of, you know, you can't feel confident unless you feel competent. You can't feel competent unless you're clear on what you're doing. You can't feel clear unless you feel like you can ask questions. You can't ask questions unless you feel secure. So there's this sort of emotional ladder, laddering. And that was really helpful for the client um, to sort of understand that actually, you want to talk about this, but if you don't do these other things, you're never going to help the employee get to that state. So that, that was quite, that was, I haven't done that before. Um, I'll do it again, for sure. It just is such a different take on, on sort of deep, more deeply understanding emotions that we talk about a lot in branding. That's fascinating. I've never had, (laughs) I'm sure you've done it loads.
0: No, that, that is really fascinating. I've never had anyone, um, give me that answer before. So very cool. The next question is, um, who do you look to or um, where do you go when you want to understand where your industry is going next? So I guess in this case, industry is brand strategy. Um, where, Yeah. Who, who's your go-to?
1: Um, I go to books that CEOs have written now. I don't, I mean, I look, you know, I know who's out there in my space, but I think Uh, The secret is to, the more we can link brand and business tightly together, the more um, effective our work will be. And so I am reading a ton more on, you know, CEOs' biographies and like McKinsey's book about CEO mindsets, because that's where it all has to gel together. Otherwise, you know, the branding stuff just sits in a true. So, yeah, that's much more where I'm going now great books like by Sachin Adela on hit refresh about Microsoft's change that that has been more helpful in other sort of branding pieces recently.
0: I love that I'm going to take that and run with it um my final (laughs) question is if you had one tip for a marketer that's listening or a researcher what would it be?
1: You know honestly prioritize your mental health because I think um we're all in this funny world where we're having to think a lot for clients right like marketing research insights strategy it requires us to be able to sort of have that headspace to do really good thinking and if you're feeling stressed or burnt out or anxious or you know all these other things it really takes a toll on your ability to do the job and enjoy the job and and stay in the job so honestly mm. that really that uh, because You know what we do is great and it's really interesting and we're really lucky to be able to spend time in a day thinking about these questions and coming up with insights and writing strategies but you've you've got to be able to do that you've got to carve out time and space and percolation time and time for convergent thinking and divergent thinking and you've got to actually have quite a lot of strategies for yourself to be able to do that um and honestly that i think that that's my biggest tip (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not what
0: you're expecting. No, I think that's so important and I love it. Um, I think more and more people are realizing how you can't do, you can't really do good work if you're not feeling like yourself. So Mm -hmm. um, love that. And thank you. Thank you for it. I, I know that we had wanted to kind of dig into, you know, we, we kind of bashed how many frameworks there are at the beginning, or <laughs> I kind of did. Um, but I do know that frameworks are useful. So we had wanted to kind of dive into that. Um, so why don't you talk to us a little bit about the course that you run before we, before we go? Um, sure. Yeah, because I assume that baked into that course is some element of
1: frameworks. Yeah, absolutely. If- frameworks there. But the more important thing is the practical stuff. I think there's a lot of, like there's all sorts of courses out there brand strategy courses and they usually give you a framework which is that person's own framework and they give you some examples but they don't tell you exactly how to do it so my course is all about practical here's a framework here's why here's why brand strategy is important and here's how you do it like here's all the questions you need to ask here's like a research guide a research survey an employee survey a leadership guide here's a scripted brand strategy workshop so you just all you have to do is read it. (laughs) Here's what you do before, here's what you do afterwards. Here's an eight week brand strategy plan. Here's how you write a proposal. So here's how you frame a brand strategy presentation. Here's how you would structure it. Here's client examples. Here's a real life case study where you get all the research so you can actually have a go at doing it. So my course is really to try and equip people with all the tools and the support. So I'm there 21 weeks a year for people. So if they want questions, they can start the course and then they may start it. And then later on, they're selling brand strategy, you know, sort of not access to be able to ask questions. So it's practical tools, complete support um, and and just really useful um, advice on actually getting it done exactly get it, how to get it done rather than here's another nice framework but actually how do i do it <laughs> so that that's that's my aim
0: yeah totally
1: because that's what gives people confidence and i think that's the thing that holds people back i think loads of people could do brand strategy but yep. they're just not clear and confident on how to do it so that's that's what i'm trying to do with brand strategy academy
0: Amazing. We'll include a link to it in the show notes um, as well as to your website. Sarah, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on Dig In. We will be back next week. But yeah, until then, uh, I'll talk to you soon, Sarah. Thank you so much, Megan. Great, great
1: time.
0: Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.